A boost for Kate Middleton's recovery, a journalist bafflingly accuses Harry of causing Charles's cancer, and the Duke of Sussex wins friends among NFL fans. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's Chief Royal Correspondent, and this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the show. Now, Kate Middleton has left Windsor to spend the half-term school holidays at Sandringham, which is the royal family's retreat in Norfolk. It's That's the east of England. It's that little kind of bump on the eastern side of Britain. It is also where King Charles has been resting up as he comes to terms with his cancer diagnosis and what his experience of the kind of regular treatments he's getting is going to be. So the King's very dramatic health update last week took some of the spotlight off Kate, I think. She had abdominal surgery on January the 16th at the London Clinic, and we initially thought her situation was going to be the more serious one. Um, Charles only went in for a procedure on an enlarged prostate, which should have been completely routine. Um, But the doctors, of course, spotted another issue. Um, And investigations then showed that he had a type of cancer that the palace have not chosen to reveal exactly which type he has. Needless to say, Kate's recovery has been continuing. She was discharged from hospital on January the 29th and she returned home to Adelaide Cottage in Windsor, where she obviously lives with her three children, George, Charlotte and Louis and William. Um, So the family have been back together since then. Um, With the kids now off school, though, that has created some time and a little bit of freedom for the Wales family to get out of Windsor, to get into the countryside and to find a new place uh, for Kate to continue kind of um, putting herself back together again after this physically traumatic experience. Um, fortunately she was well enough to make the journey which is around about 140 miles Um, so the whole family are away together um, it's also, you know, it's going to give uh, George, Charlotte and Louis uh, some space. You know, Sandringham is this huge country estate. We're going to have loads of space to kind of charge around and, you know, burn off uh, a lot of energy. They will probably actually, I would imagine, be staying in Anne Hall, which is William and Kate's house. But it's, you know, it's kind of very much on the Sandringham estates. So they will be able to see Charles and be half term with the kids, obviously, those who don't have children it's very easy to feel cooped up especially since Kate won't actually be able to kind of go very far herself um so I think it's great that they're going to have you know they're going to have all of this these huge grounds in which to charge around and burn off their energy that's the key to a successful half term is burning off that energy um for the children and um you know they can also obviously they can pop over to Sandringham House and see Charles um, anytime that Kate wants to kind of, wants a change of scenery, hopefully she it hasn't been kind of too traumatic moving venues for her. I mean, they said, of course, that the surgery had gone well. Um, and so she, you know, having surgery within your abdomen can definitely create a, a very different experience of, of life temporarily while your body is healing because obviously your uh, abdomen is where all of your core muscles are, which keep you upright. And any time you're kind of holding anything remotely heavy, that requires core strength. But it has been a few weeks now for Kate, so hopefully some of those things are starting to get a little bit better. Um, obviously, Charles and Camilla 
for the most part, have been living at Clarence House in London, while Kate and William have been up at Windsor. So they won't necessarily be like bumping into each other in the corridor. I don't know, I don't know how people really picture the royals living, but if, if people think that they all live together in Buckingham Palace and they're constantly like seeing each other at breakfast or bumping into each other in the corridor, that is not going to necessarily have been happening. But all up at Sandringham together is, is a good opportunity for Charles as well to pop round to see William and Kate, I think, too. Uh, the king went to church at Sandringham on Sunday, um, which is only the second time he's been seen publicly since his diagnosis. And it's also the first time he's been seen kind of on his feet walking about. And so that's great to see. The first time he was pictured, uh, he was actually in a car being driven from Clarence House to Buckingham Palace, where he then got a helicopter up to Norfolk. Um, so this time he was out strolling along with Camilla and he was all smiles and he was, he waved. He had a kind of walking stick on, I think, on the way in, but he didn't, uh, not a walking stick, sorry, an umbrella, which he was uh, you, you know, he was kind of using it like a walking stick, but I don't think he necessarily needed it in that in, in that way. And he wasn't holding it on the way out again. So I think he's, you know, he's walking around freely, clearly and capable of, um, you know, of going about his day almost as normal. He kind of looked as though nothing was wrong, to be completely honest about it. Um, and we also had King Charles's first public message since his diagnosis, in which he said, I would like to express my most heartfelt thanks for the many messages of support and good wishes I have received in recent days. And all of those who have been affected by cancer will know such kind thoughts are the greatest comfort and encouragement. So still, you know, all the public signs are that Charles is still feeling and looking very positive. Um, obviously, we think uh, that it, this his cancer was caught early because that's what the Prime Minister told us. Rishi Sunak said that it had been caught early, so hopefully that all gives him a good, healthy prognosis. Um, the past week also saw Prince William's first speech since the King's cancer diagnosis and also since Kate's operation. He cracked some jokes during a dinner in support of the London Air Ambulance uh, appeal. They, they're trying to raise money for two new helicopters, and it's a hugely time-pressured thing uh, because they've got to try and get them in the air by September. Um, I did see, think, though, um, that even though William told these jokes, that you could kind of see the weight of the world was on his shoulders during the, the delivery of the jokes. Obviously, speeches generally are written, and it did look like he was reading his. So these jokes were written into the speech. Um, but, you know, William usually, when he tells these jokes, he's kind of full of laughter and lots of energy and big smiles. And this time, he just seemed really subdued and somber in the way that he actually delivered those lines. Um, so here's what he had to say. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you also for the kind messages of support for Catherine and for my father, especially in recent days. It means a great deal to us all. It's fair to say the past few weeks have had a rather medical focus, so I thought I'd come to an air ambulance function to get away from it all. But seriously, we gather tonight to help as many people as possible benefit from top-class care in the silhouette of London's air ambulances flying lifelines. Um, now, he was himself a pilot for East Anglia Air Ambulance, so it's obviously a cause that matters a huge amount to William. Um, he spoke a little bit about the appeals, that it's a race against time, and he also took a moment to uh, reinvigorate his and Kate's long-standing loving with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was at the event, obviously. They have been seen publicly with him a number of times before. Uh, there was a kind of viral uh, moment when uh, Tom Cruise kind of helped Kate up some stairs, kind of held her hand going up some stairs from, uh, I think, I think that was last year, um, but people may remember it anyway. 
Um, so William said, I should also take the opportunity to give a mention to my, our fellow pilot, Tom Cruise. Tom, huge thanks for supporting us tonight. And Tom, if you wouldn't mind not borrowing either of the new helicopters for the next Mission Impossible, it would be appreciated. We have all seen on our screens that, how can I put it, you seem to have a different take on normal wear and tear to the rest of us. It's not the kind that buffs out. So like I said, you know, there are a few jokes in there. And it was clearly written to sound fairly lighthearted, which I guess delivers the kind of message that there's nothing to worry about. But as I said, I think the way that William actually spoke those words reflected a far heavier heart than usual. And so I suppose you can see in that delivery that perhaps some of the emotional pressure is weighing on him a little bit. You know, it's going to have been a hugely emotional period of time for William and just as Kate was kind of getting settled back home in Windsor, he then has the the new shock of Charles's health news, you know, being far worse than he expected. Um, and it's also more pressure on him, too, because he has been taking time out to help Kate and he was expecting Charles to be back at work before too long. And now, obviously, we don't really know at all when Charles is going to be back doing frontline duties. We, we just know that he's undergoing regular treatment and that he's on doctor's orders to rest. So that could potentially go on for quite a long time. Um, this obviously completely changes how William will have seen his own return to work and it creates additional pressure for him to get back out there. Uh, we saw him twice last week, both on Wednesday, one job in the daytime, one in the evening. Um, we're not necessarily now expecting to see him this week because it's half term and they're, they're all up at Sandringham. But, you know, the monarchy's been very quiet without him and Kate. And it has really felt that way. There haven't been, you know, Camilla's out, been out working. There's been some other more low, low profile low-key jobs from other royal family members but it it has been a very noticeable absence Um, so on the other side of half term it will be interesting to see whether we do get more public appearances from William and if we don't get them how the public will actually feel about that sometimes when there's a vacuum of information and a vacuum of kind of public appearances it also creates this space in which conspiracy theories start to grow and thrive and take hold so it'll be interesting to see whether you know people on social media start kind of throwing like wild theories out into the public domain in the absence of royal family members being actually physically there to be seen Uh, We shall wait and see. And on that note, I'm going to take a quick break. Please remember to rate and review The Royal Report on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your favourite shows. When I'm back, the debate about Charles's diagnosis turns ugly. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Hello and welcome back to the show. Prince Harry has also been a part of the week's King Charles coverage, including an absolutely extraordinary interview given by a former Vanity Fair travel editor to UK radio station LBC. Um, Victoria Mather said, What I do know and what is a fact is that stress is a huge cause of cancer. It's the cause that's never talked about. It's the elephant in the room. Stress. And I speak as someone who survived cancer, and mine was definitely caused by stress. We cannot possibly say that the king has not been stressed by events like Megxit. So I see, so I think that Prince Harry has to look at his part in this. Now, I think most people would take one look at that and be somewhat perplexed by Mather's intervention. Um, but she does say she is a cancer survivor herself. So give her the benefit of the doubt and let's look at the argument in detail and let's just see where it takes us. So Cancer Research UK, that's this is a fantastic major UK charity for those who haven't heard of it. And it also just happens to have counted Queen Elizabeth II as its patron. And it has this to say on the issue of stress and cancer. Its website reads, Stress does not directly increase cancer risk, but it can be harder for some people to keep healthy during stressful times, which can lead to an increased risk of cancer. In other words... It just depends on how you respond to the stress. So Mather may think there is this corridor here in which she can establish this principle that there is a link between stress and cancer. However, it's not as simple as that, because in order for her argument to have any legs at all, Charles would need to have failed to maintain a healthy lifestyle over the last four years. And even that in itself kind of is quite an unfair thing to say, even if you are trying to aim it at Harry ultimately it's still quite uncomfortable and difficult for Charles too um, and you know it would also have to be a lifestyle area which is connected to an increased risk of cancer uh, which is not you know it's, it's a quite a specific thing um, and even if she was able to establish that it still would not be a foregone conclusion that it had actually had any impact on Charles's diagnosis at all so let me give an example to put some meat on the bones of what I've just said so if you have somebody who is a former smoker who gives up cigarettes and is living quite happily without them, but is suddenly hit with an incredibly stressful experience and starts working their way through 40 cigarettes a day to cope, um, obviously that anxiety is fueling smoking cigarettes, which in turn carries with it an increased risk of lung cancer. So you could say that had that person not had that incredibly stressful experience, they might not have gone back to cigarettes and therefore might not have got lung cancer. However, Charles isn't a smoker and he's very unlikely to have lung cancer based on the fact that it was found during a procedure on his prostate, which is a totally different area of the body. It's not prostate cancer, by the way, the palace have said. Um, but we don't actually know what type of cancer Charles even has. Um, and we certainly don't know whether it's possible for there to be a lifestyle-related cause. So Mather has not offered any explanation at all, explanation at all, uh, of what health or lifestyle change she believes Charles has made as a result of Harry and Meghan quitting the royal family, which might be connected to a risk of cancer. Uh, I'm not aware of anything, <laughs> and I can't really think what it would be. I mean, as far as we know, Charles is a fairly healthy guy for a man of his age. Obviously, he's not at 75 going to be running the marathon uh, or going to a Zumba class on his weekends. Um, but he works hard, which keeps him active. He's a keen walker, 
People may remember uh, seeing him hiking. The There was a, like a viral video of two cyclists who bumped into him as they rode through his Balmoral estate in Scotland. Um, so obviously, you know, he's, he's active. He has good health, as far as we know. He eats good food cooked by the palace kitchens, and he likes organic produce. Um, and also stays in shape partly because he, you know, he famously skips lunch. So what does she think has happened here that would increase his risk of cancer? I mean, I can't think of anything. Um, and there's also this kind of background risk that she kind of tacitly, implicitly is sort of almost blaming him if if you actually go into the science of what would be required for her uh, clearly probably ill-thought-out argument to be true. If you go into the science of it, it would carry with it an implicit blame on Charles too. But then there's another dimension to this as well, which is that it's not just about being unfair on Harry or even being unfair on Charles, because there are people all over the world who may have been diagnosed with cancer. And her comment basically risks encouraging people to blame their own loved ones for their diagnosis or even themselves. So let's say, for example, you are in a relationship that had its difficulties and there were some generally stressful times at point when you got a diagnosis. That loved one could be a lifeline for you or a support when, you know, you go through this difficult moment and you, uh, you know, you need, you need somebody and they're there for you. Like I wouldn't want anybody to necessarily be like blaming a family member who could be a help to them if there's no scientifically sound reason to do so. And then you've also got the fact that people might blame themselves. They might think, well, why did I take on that job that made me very stressed? Maybe if I hadn't done that, then this wouldn't have happened to me. And it could be completely untrue. It could be that there's absolute, you know, they maintained a completely healthy lifestyle or, you know, didn't do anything uh, as a result of this stressful job that increased their risk of cancer. And then, you know, you've got people marauding around saying stuff like this, which could cause people to unnecessarily blame themselves for, for their diagnosis. Um, what's bonkers about it, though, is that I saw people on social media saying, oh, just you wait and see, they're going to blame Megan, they'll find a way to blame Megan for the king getting cancer. And obviously, for the most part, no one did. And it's important to recognise that, that no, you know, Victoria Mather, she was a, um, a travel editor for Vanity Fair up until about 2018, I think. She's not somebody who's in the news all the time i don't you know she's not like a regular you know some people are regular daily mail columnists or something like that that's not victoria mather she's a kind of fairly fringe figure i think in the world of british journalism to say the least um but needless to say you know he, she pops up and she's gone and done the exact thing that people were saying it was inevitable somebody in the british media would do and she's gone and done it so uh, it's obviously extraordinary thing to say um and it's actually not the first time either that she sparked a backlash um, with her comments about Harry and Meghan. In fact, back in March 2020, uh, so this was a couple of months after Harry and Meghan first announced they were quitting. It was the month that they did their final royal engagements before beginning their new life in America. And Mather, she went on MSNBC and suggested that Megan was about, if this is her words, not mine, of course, uh, about five clicks up from trailer trash. Now, obviously, that's an incredibly snobbish thing to say about anybody. And it's not particularly true either of Megan. I mean, Megan was homecoming queen at a fee-paying LA private school. Um, she's also suggested uh, that she grew up on the $4.99 salad bar at Sizzler. But, you know, clearly there's kind of two sides to her childhood. Um, and some moments she may emphasise one and others she may have emphasised the other. But it's also all kind of moot point anyway, because 
it's just a horrible thing to call anyone to say that they're trailer trash uh, or five clicks up from trailer trash, whatever that even means. I mean, like, how much is a click? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to say. And Victoria Mather just simply should not have said it. Um, so there you go. It's been a little while, I think, since we did one of these kind of stories on the Royal Report, which was just about somebody in the British media saying something completely bonkers. But it continues. And on that note, I'm going to take one more quick break. But before I do, a reminder to follow me on X or Twitter or whatever you choose to call it. Um, I'm at Jack underscore Royston. You will find all my latest stories for Newsweek. When I'm back, Prince Harry leaves football star Cameron Hayward feeling starstruck. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Now, I'm going to start by just putting my hands up here and admitting that I know a lot more about the royal family than I do about the NFL. Some people have become newly interested due to Taylor Swift. I actually think I'm possibly more here for Jason Kelsey uh, just absolutely not caring and coming charging out of the hospitality suite despite the presence of Taylor Swift than I am for Taylor herself. Uh, But in all honesty, the whole thing mostly goes over my head because I grew up in the UK with UK sports like soccer and rugby and cricket. Needless to say, none of that is this week's Royal NFL news. What actually happened in the past week is that Prince Harry Harry was on Thursday a special guest at the NFL Honours in Las Vegas. He handed out the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award to Cameron Hayward of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Hayward gave exactly... The response that Harry would have been hoping for. Uh, He kind of looked completely blown away and he said, man, Prince freaking Harry. Man, I'm in shock. That's Prince Harry. So, you know, very emphatic. Uh, Harry could not have asked for a better response, to be completely honest. And it's kind of almost like an old school back to 2021 response to the Sussexes. Uh, Obviously, they had their wobble in early 2023 when comedians were going out and making fun of them and all that kind of stuff. And the kind of general responses to them became a little bit more hostile. Um, But this was, yeah, this was hugely positive. Harry also made a sports joke saying, I really love how you stole rugby from us and you made it your own. Harry, obviously, rugby was his sport more so than football. Um, He kind of likes to like to tear around the pitch getting um, knocked all over the place Uh, and I think yeah he seemed to kind of enjoy that and it's you know it's a fun sport I enjoyed it as well to be fair Um, but he added what you guys do on and off the field is truly remarkable you are role models for millions in the way you carry yourselves and the way you give back so a little bit of fun and a positive message and it sets Harry up really nicely for his next big public appearance, which is the Invictus Games one year to go event in Vancouver in Canada this week. So 
This is something they do for the Invictus Games every year. They have a kind of get-everyone-excited PR photo call one year before the main event where Harry and Meghan go to the host nation and they pose for some pictures and they meet some important people and they just basically whet everybody's appetite for the Games. So we're expecting to see both Harry and Meghan. So that's good news for fans of the Duchess of Sussex. She's probably the less frequently seen uh, Sussex person nowadays uh, although she did have a solo red carpet for variety in the fall where we saw her but not harry but usually it's more likely to be um that we see harry not megan in recent months um and these these big set pieces of events do usually give them some good positive publicity which is what they've been really needing recently they have massively bounced back in in the uh, u.s polls to be honest with you they are much more popular now than they were at the start of 2023 when they had that big post spare post memoir implosion um so expect some really fantastic pictures of them um, it's good news for royal fashion fans because we're likely to see some great outfits on Meghan. There's the possibility as well that Prince Harry will speak. Um, if he does, the most likely scenario, in all honesty, is probably that will be fairly anodyne. You know, kind of comments about how wonderful it is to be in Canada and how excited he is for the games. Uh, it's actually the first Invictus to feature winter sports. Um, so that's going to in- include wheelchair curling and Nordic skiing and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm sure there's a chance that he'll mention that. Um, and we also, this is another kind of interesting dimension to it, we haven't actually had Prince Harry commenting publicly yet on Charles's health. Um, obviously, he didn't mention the King during his NFL introduction, and we don't think he mentioned Charles on Kate's, uh, Charles or Kate's health um, when he kind of when he collected that Legends of Aviation award in January in Los Angeles. For those who remember, he was inducted into the Legends of Aviation Hall of Fame. Uh, which also includes Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman and others. Um, and uh, yeah, he kind of he did speak, but the noises coming out of those who were present are that he didn't mention Charles or Kate. Um, so Invictus, it's a setup where he has way more control over the kind of surrounding events, who's there, uh, you know, what else gets said on the day. Um, there's not anyway a money-making enterprise for him either. It's all for a really great cause. So any effort to accuse him of using Charles's health to promote some kind of profit-making business won't hold water. Doubtless it might well be said anyway. Um, by people who hate him, but it doesn't matter. You know, they can say it if they want to. It's obviously not true because everybody knows what the Invictus Games is about. It's about helping wounded forces veterans. Um, And it's, you know, it's really hard to imagine a better, safer setting for him to make this kind of public comment. William has now also spoken publicly about their father's diagnosis, which removes another kind of potential sensitivity. He might have been accused of disrespect for kind of cutting in line before before the next in line to the throne for those who are true believers in the royal pecking order. Um, so that, you know, a lot of those kind of reasons not to do it have been removed, which could potentially pave the way for him to say something reconciliatory about Charles. My gut feeling is he probably won't. He'll probably still play it safe uh, unless he's asked a direct question by a journalist. Um, but, you know, I think it'd be welcome if he did say something. You know, doubtless he'll be criticised in the media if he doesn't, and he would also be criticised in the media if he does. That just comes with the territory. But I still think kind words 
are always a good thing. And as long as he keeps it reasonably kind of reasonably safe in what he says, just kind of acknowledges it and focuses on Charles and says, you know, that he wishes his father all the best. I don't really see how anybody, any ordinary member of the public is going to object to that, you know, outside of the people who just despise the Sussexes and hate every single thing they do. I think most ordinary people would recognize that it's just a son who's concerned for his father. So, I personally think he should say something, um, but you know it's a sensitive subject. He obviously he just had this trip to Britain where he travelled round trip eleven thousand miles to spend half an hour with the king. I did some maths on it, and it's around about three hundred and sixty six miles for every minute he was face to face with his father. You think you know? There's been stories in the press in Britain suggesting that you know he didn't really ask charles's permission to come to britain and then he was uh you know charles and camilla had to kind of wait around at clarence house kicking their heels and or you know in order to see harry before they then went off to sandringham and um harry wasn't invited to go and join them there you know is that right or wrong i mean it's, you know who knows but in spite of that, I do still think it was a good decision for him to go and to see his father you know you it's a it's a very it's a major moment to get that diagnosis, even if your prognosis is good and positive. It's still a time when Harry will very understandably have a feeling of connection to his family, who obviously were very far away. Um, but we, we must bear in mind, it's obviously possible that Harry has also asked his father's permission to say something publicly and been asked not to. That is totally possible, in which case it's entirely understandable that he he wouldn't kind of contradict that and come out and say something anyway. So we will just have to wait and see. But, you know, I'll be looking out for it. And hopefully, it, I think it would be nice if he did say something. And that is it for this episode of The Royal Report. Be sure to join me every week when I visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Jack Royston. Thank you for listening, everyone, and a curtsy to you all.